Hey, this is Katie Sackoff, and you're listening to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. Well, we have one of those new talking machines. Now that is something. It plays music right here in our home. Progress is something we can't take for granted. Progress takes a lot of people wanting it and willing to work for it. You are listening to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. This week on the show... And this just was like a big Hollywood thing. And it's like $150 million show. And then there's like these actors that are like Oscar nommed and have just come off Hunger Games and one who's been acting since he was 16. And I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing here. And I felt really out of my depth. And I had quite a hard time initially just not beating myself up about it. Here are your hosts, Jamie Green and Shiri Sondheimer. Welcome back to another episode of the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us online at thegbbpodcast.com. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, uh, at thegbbpodcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, all those places you get your, your podcasts. You can find us there. You can hit subscribe there. You can download us. You can listen to us to your heart's content. Shiri, hello. Hi. Do you know what today is? Do you know what this is that we're doing right now? Are we doing the intro to Dominique Tipper's episode? We are, but do you know what else this episode is? Oh, is it 200? It is! Did I get 200? Oh my god, that's so exciting. (laughs) I love that you didn't even know. (laughs) Happy birthday to us! Or happy anniversary, I should say, kind of. Glitter bombs everywhere! 200, 200 numbered episodes. This is... We've done more than 200 because I think we had 16 or so like extra episodes that were just random stuff. Uh, but this is numbered episode 200. That's amazing. That is amazing. I, I am kind of dumbfounded and flummoxed that I've made it this far. Um, when Justin and I started this like four years ago, we were like, oh, this will be fun to do for a couple months. <laughs> and uh, here I am four, four years later with... 200 plus episodes in the bank and uh it's kind of crazy that's incredible yeah it is kind of nuts um i mean if i had thought i i've known this was coming for a long time and i never did like a special episode like a very special episode (laughs) of a very big beautiful podcast like where we brought back like the best co-hosts or the best guests and we had i could have done a clip show that is just way too much editing though Maybe 250. Even that, I don't know. (laughs) A clip show is entirely too much editing because then I'd have to go back through 200 plus episodes and find good sound bites. I think your clip show would just be Patrick Rothfuss telling that story. (laughs) It it would just be his episode. So just, you know what? Go back to the Pat Rothfuss episode. There's our clip show because it's nothing's going to get better than that. Yeah. Uh, but we will try, and we will forge ahead, and we will have plenty of another, plenty of of other amazing guests, such as this week. We welcome the the beautiful and talented and beautifully talented Dominique Tipper. Yeah, this was a cool one for me. I'm a huge Expanse fan, so. and it was also a long time coming. Yes, yes. she is very busy. 
She is very busy, and I'm not going to make any judgments on the record, but it was very difficult to nail her down and actually get on her calendar um, so that she knew we were on her calendar. Let's just say that. Okay, anyway, we're going to move on from that. This was a long time coming. We had been go- we we had scheduled and rescheduled and re-rescheduled like I want to say like 5 times. It was uh, close to that, yeah. Before we finally made it work, but it was it was well worth the wait. And if you are a fan of the Expanse TV show at least, you are going to have a lot to love here because she is just she was an amazing amazingly fun guest. She was and she's she's fascinating. She's a singer she's a dancer she's an actress she's now a director Mm -hmm. um of various things which she talked about um she's collaborated with her brother which i thought was kind of neat on a project Mm -hmm. um and of course she talked about the expanse which was great yeah i had no idea until we started doing research for this i had no idea that she was a singer and there are some music videos out there of her that she from her, of her and her songs, and she is quite the singer, and she's quite the um, performer in music videos. She is. I I find it really weirdly entertaining when I see actors whom I had no idea were singers or dancers suddenly singing and dancing. Well, it's interesting too because she. The, at least the videos that we track down are mm-hmm. are very poppy. Yeah. Whereas her role on The Expanse is pretty serious. Yes. Like everybody on that show has funny moments, but um, it's a serious role and it's a serious show. Yes. So it was very, because we both knew her from that first, it was interesting to go back and see where she started a little bit, which was pop music, which is very different. Very different. And it was kind of hard not to see Naomi doing those dance moves and singing. And I was like, this is just all kinds of wrong. <laughs> she did have in one, though, our favorite one. She had this fabulous blue lipstick that I would yes. love to track down someday. Yes. We they probably should... don't make it anymore. It was from what, 2011, that one? Mm, well, you never know. I'm sure they make blue lipstick of some shade that you could buy. Oh, that one was special, though. That one was special. <laughs> we we should have asked her what, what that was if we she knew. <laughs> <laughs> so you i know are a huge fan of the expanse we had the authors back on the show back a while now last yep. year um you also sat in on that one and that was a great conversation because we got to see sort of how the story came to be and where that grew out of and mm-hmm. how the two of them worked together and i know you've also talked to cass anvar uh separately from the show who plays alex right the pilot. And I think it's really interesting to see how the story not only gets translated to a different medium, uh-huh. but how the people involved make it their own and yep. and give it breathe new life into it, I should say. Yeah, it is it is interesting and it's interesting everyone's process is always very interesting. You know, we talk to writers about their process a lot. Um and artists, but we don't necessarily always talk to actors about it. And, you know, Cass versus Dominique, they've come at this very differently in that, um, you know, Cass has read the books or at least some of them. um, And Dominique has not for various Mm -hmm. reasons that she discusses. And I obviously don't want to 
go too much into that because then why would you listen? <laughs> but that was that was an interesting contrast. And uh, Wes Chatham, who plays Amos, has read some of the books up to a certain point for various other reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was sort of how we started our conversation about inhabiting the character. But yeah, it was really interesting to talk to her about that because, um, you know, this is a big role for her. This is the first time she's anchored a show. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a big role for women in sci-fi and it is a big role for women of color in sci-fi. So it's a big, Naomi Nagata is a big deal. But what's really cool about The Expanse is that she doesn't exist in isolation. The entire show is huge for women and women of color. Right, right. Because we also have, I'm going to, I'm always afraid I'm going to butcher her name. Is it Shora Dashalu is Ava Sarala. Um, Mm -hmm. Kara G is Carmina Drummer. Um, Frankie. Frank, yeah, let's not forget Frankie, who I would love to talk to someday. Frankie Adams <laughs> is is Bobby Draper, uh, who is my all-time ultimate favorite badass sci-fi lady. Um, right. she's, on, she's on the list. We'll, we'll, we'll get her on the <laughs> show. Um, <laughs> I, I, it's endless, basically. Um, yeah. This is one of the first sci-fi shows that is finally – a representative of the world as it stands, which is awesome. Yeah. It's, it is really refreshing to watch and it's what's cool is not only does it provide this platform in this stage for the representation that we have not seen in such a long, forever really, but it doesn't, it it doesn't feel the need to point it out. It just, it doesn't, it just it is. That's these are the characters. This is who they are. It they don't feel the need to be like, look, look who we've got over here, and look, look what she is, and then look what he is, and look at his history and why that's special. Like it's just it it's part of the story, and it's part of the world and the, the universe that they inhabit, and it's normal, and it's everybody accepts it or doesn't, and that's part of their characterization. But in terms of the audience interacting with the show. The creators, the writers, the actors, they never shine a spotlight on it and say, look how great we are because we're doing this. Right. right. And, and and another thing that I love about the show is there there's no one on it who is a gigantic star going in. There mm-hmm. were people who were more well-known than others. A lot of them mm-hmm. were, you know, character actors or, or known as more as voice actors, but not, no one was a huge star. Yeah, um, the, the biggest star was Thomas Jane. Yeah, I guess technically he's a huge star, but... I, and I don't even know if I would classify him as huge. Yeah. Like, he's a star. People know who he is, but I, he's not a he's not a household name. Right. You know, and I knew Shora right. because she was in 24. Yep. And she was in one of the Star Trek movies. Oh, yes, she was. She's the... She, right? Yeah, she was president of the Federation. Something. Something. Yeah. I'm blanking on that. But I remember I watched like the first three or four seasons of 24 uh, before it really jumped the shark. And she was, um, I mean, she played the stereotypes. She was a terrorist, but you know, she was really good in that role on that show. And she's done a lot of, she's done a lot of video game voice work too. She has a very distinctive voice. <laughs> very distinctive voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, yeah, so the show 
went through a little bit of um, turmoil, shall we say? It was canceled. It was picked up. Now it's moving over to Amazon, and the whole season's going to drop at once. The whole season four, right? Right. Right. So that'll be interesting to watch. That'll be interesting to see how that changes the dynamic between the audience and the show because another special part uh, feature, I guess it's not a special feature, but another thing that this show has going for it is the close connection that the fans have with the stars. And it's a, the, the, the it is one of the most positive. I participate in a fair number of fandoms, not necessarily actively, but I watch a fair number of fandoms go by at this point for, right. You know, for this, for Book Riot, for covering cons and stuff. This is by far the most positive fandom. And when there's the occasional jerk, like, everybody converges to shoot that person down. But never, never aggressively or meanly, just like, "Mm, you should shut up now. Um, (laughs) You know, and that's really nice, especially since... Some of the other fandoms that I do keep an eye on um, have gotten nasty lately, you know, mm-hmm. to the point where the the creators don't want to be involved anymore or are afraid to be involved. It's really nice to have this one um, where people are positive and encouraging and it's something they love. Um, and it was, you know, in large part, the fandom that got the show resurrected oh for sure um you know and and the direct the direct discussion between especially Cass and the the fandom um and Kara who the uh actress who plays drummer and the fandom so that that's it's really nice to be a part of that even passively yeah as a fan and as somebody who who kind of monitors fandom to write about it um, it's nice. Yeah, it's it is becoming distressingly all too common for these, you know, <clears throat> Star Wars, for these fandoms Voltron. to <laughs> just Voltron to just sort of devolve into a pit of nastiness that you don't even want to. Not only like, not only do you want not a, want to not be involved or associated with, but it kind of puts you off of the 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 property too a little, a little bit. bit like. I love Star Wars. I, you know, I, I always have. I probably always will. I write for StarWars.com, you know, and it has its faults. I, there are parts I like, parts I don't like, and that's okay. But since The Last Jedi, the fandom has become so divided and so ugly that it's sort of like I I need to just step away and not do Star Wars for a while because I don't. I don't love it. That, like, that's not my hill to die on. Right, you right. know, I mean, pop pop culture will never be, be my hill to die on. Um, and so I'm more than willing to just sort of walk away from something if it's be- if it becomes uncomfortable. Right. But, uh, you know, a lot of people aren't, you know, and especially with, I think, I think people have lost some perspective between, you know, with, with the Voltron, especially <laughs> the Voltron, um, I'm having a little trouble with words today. Sorry. Um, <laughs> people have lost a little bit of perspective on creators are not obligated to tell a story the way you think they should. Mm -hmm. And just now there are, there are instances where people do do things 
meanly or incorrectly. Um, but people have lost the line between that and the creator telling their story and not yours. That's what fan fiction is for. Just because a creator doesn't tell a story the way you think they should or the way that you wanted them to, that does not mean that they are, for instance, queer baiting. <laughs> right. Um, just to name an example, they just didn't tell the story that you wanted to see. If you want to tell that story, mm-hmm. again, that's what fan fiction's for. Um, have have people done it incorrectly or meanly? Have have people written stories that are queer reading? Absolutely. That is not one of them. So, anyway. Yeah. I have a soapbox. <laughs> I don't have a hill. I do have a soapbox. <laughs> you led me right into that and I let you. <laughs> I apologize, I guess. <laughs> but anyway, like I said, people are, are losing the line between what's offensive and the creator just telling a different story. Um, and something yeah. about the Expanse fandom, and not all creators want to be involved. If you don't want to be involved, you shouldn't be involved in this discussion. However, <laughs> Ty and Daniel are very involved. Um, mm-hmm. And they will tell you, like, that is not the story we are going to tell. Sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can tell us why this is wrong or you can show us why this was offensive or whatever, we can discuss it, but you don't get to tell us what story we're telling. And I, I appreciate right. that. It, all that to say, though, that the Expanse fandom... Is awesome. Until now, <laughs> until now, seems to be an anomaly. Well, yeah. In that it's yeah. it's generally pleasant. It's pleasant and it's welcoming and it's generally awesome. Yeah. People write each other messages in Belter, which I think is fantastic. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, we're just going to go into our talk with Dominique. Um, we've babbled on long enough. Thank you guys so much for coming back week after week. I say it every week and I mean it every week. I really do. Thank you for hitting subscribe. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for spreading the word and saying good things and following us wherever you want to follow us. The show has come 200 episodes. May we go 200 more and I don't have a heart attack. Um, (laughs) But, you know, happy anniversary to us. Uh, This was a long time coming. I'm thrilled to see the 200 and we'll see how far we can go from here. Paul Red throwing glitter gift. <laughs> Yay! Glitter! <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much. Again, I am Jamie Green. You can find me at The Roarbots. You can find the show at The GBB Podcast. You can find Shiri at SW Sonheimer on Twitter and irate underscore Corvus on Instagram. Thank you guys again. Here's our talk with Dominique Tipper about The Expanse and so much more. And we will see you next week. Take care. Dominique, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. It's awesome to have you here. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Um, I want to start with the most obvious burning issue that people are coming to listen to. I understand that you are a huge stationary geek. (laughs) I am. What is that about? I don't know. I don't understand it myself. But literally today we was having a... um... (laughs) a little 
like cast read through of episodes one and two of season four uh-huh. and Stephen was like hey can I borrow your pencil and I was like um <laughs> okay go on then but let's like not make this a regular thing and he was like <laughs> okay I just love it I love pencils and pencil cases and pens and fountain pens and art supplies and notebooks and stickers I don't under- I don't know <laughs> What's your favorite pen? Because I am also a huge pen geek. Are you? Yes. Okay. And so, so is my six-year-old already. Well, <laughs> understandably. Like, um, so I have this Pentel, which has a nib that's like a fountain pen. Um, and it's got like a tortoiseshell case. And I have to get it from Japan. And my friend was using it and I've, was like where did you get that pen from and he was like I bought it online and I was like oh my god so I bought them (laughs) and I love it um so that's one of my favorites and then I also have um like a Coesco fountain pen I just love those because the colors they come in and then I can have the little gold clip which is hella cute (laughs) um so I love those too Do, do you keep like a daily diary or a journal or or notes I have a daily, like, what am I doing today diary? Because, yeah. you know, as you've probably understood from trying to arrange this interview <laughs> with me, there's like a million things. I forget things sometimes. So I keep a little diary and I have journals as well. I've kept a journal since I was 11, I think. Wow. So Do I you... like to write. I find it therapeutic. Yeah. So I write like feelings and musings and stuff um but yeah i keep a daily like to-do diary what i'm doing every day as well appointments etc do you ever go back and read like i'm gonna go back to when i was 16 like in or or do you or do you just like once it's out on the paper like that's it you're not going back to that like i won't go back recent but sometimes i'll like find a diary from when i was 12 or 11 or 16 or whatever and read it and I'm like, oh, God, it was an awful time. <laughs> it was shit being a teenager. Um, right? No, really... but I do. It's it's weird to, to sometimes I don't know the voice. Like, it is amazing how much you change. And it's only actually reading back like that that I actually realize how much I've changed. Yeah. Because I don't think you can experience yourself and, and really no. quite truly understand it. But reading what you wrote is is weird actually yeah so yeah sometimes i do just to see what was cracking around the time that's crazy that's nuts i i I keep like a travel journal like whenever i'm traveling around like a big trip i'll I'll do that but i can't bring myself to just sit down and be like today i went to work and i made lunch you know like i i don't i I don't lead an well yeah like but see like i don't i don't go to table reads for the first two episodes of the expanse like i don't have like exciting (laughs) things to write about in my journal if i you know so it's it's like it's more feelings more than like it's it's just a means for me to get i think it's like anxiety management and you know when like i don't have someone to talk to it's really helpful to write yeah I mean, I have a lot of people that I have to talk to, but sometimes I don't want to or whatever it is. And I'll just write how I feel. It won't even be specific about like what's happening on the day or what I'm talking about. I'll just write how I feel and then maybe like write a little poem thing or something. Yeah. So huh. it's more that. Okay. And everyone has that. Yeah. You could write that. 
Yeah. You don't have to be at table reads for the expanse. <laughs> it helps, though, I'm sure. <laughs> that is like the last thing I write about as well. Like, never that. <laughs> Um, well, let's, let's, let's steer into that just a little bit. I, I, I wanted to ask because I know, you know, when, when people think Hollywood, I guess in quotes, um, they, they, they get an image in their head about what that means and it might be different Mm -hmm. from person to person, but, um, a lot of what people associate with that idea of Hollywood isn't actually made in California anymore. Um, you know, filming is done all around the world, production, post-production is all around the world. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious from your perspective and in your experience, is it still hard to get work in that industry when you're not there, when you're not in California or you're not mm-hmm. even in North America? Um, I think I've had quite a varied experience. Like, I think there's something to be said for going there and meeting casting directors and um, producers and building up personal relationships because although not everything shoots there anymore, it's still very much, you know, a big hub of of entertainment. So I think it, it is good to go, just go there and be seen. And, and, you know, but I have actually booked a lot of my jobs off of take. Hmm. Um where I've been in the UK and an audition's come up and then I put myself on tape for it. I got the expanse that way. So, you know, I think it, it varies, but I do like to take regular trips to LA and meet everyone and, and just say hi and be like, Oh, this is what I'm doing right now. Nice to meet you. You know? So I, I don't think it's entirely necessary to live there. If you don't, you need to be really good at doing tapes. <laughs> at least have an enthusiasm for them, because a lot of actors don't like doing them. Yeah, um, and have a really, really good American accent as well. <laughs> is that is that key? You need to have that. Oh yeah, yeah. you can't. There's, there's no point in leaving or attempting to branch out if you don't have an American accent down. That's like 101, really. I've found anyway. Okay. I think a lot of people would say that. How hard is it? I've never asked anybody this. Like, so how hard is the American accent to do? Also well, define American they, accent, because there's a well, lot. They say, like, general American, which I don't even know what that fucking means. But <laughs> there, it's just, I guess it's just like this. Like, if I was going to do an American accent, I would just do this accent. So it's kind of like a bit Cali, I don't know, a bit kind of yeah. whatever. Middle of the, the middle of the road American, yeah. You're not really from. Yeah. You can't be like, oh yeah, you're from the south, or oh yeah, you're from upstate New York. Yeah. No, yeah. unless it calls for it, unless the character is specifically, you know, from Texas or New York or New Jersey, and you want to give that a crack. But often, even if they are, the the brief will still be to just do a general. Mm-hmm. Um, it's some people find it really easy. I've never really struggled with it. I've, you know, there's. There's refinements that I definitely often have to do. And if I'm actually doing it on, doing it on film, I always panic a little bit because I'm like, I'm not American. <laughs> but I don't struggle with it like some people do. Like I can slip in and out of it not too badly. And it's just a case of like perfecting it if I am actually doing it on screen for reals. Yeah. But have you learned to actually speak belter is my question. 
<laughs> like the full language? Uh-huh. No. I'm a shit belter. I, honestly, I just learn my sentences that I have to say, and then I'm like, cool. That's the end of that. Because it's too hard. It's like I can't, I can't dedicate. I'd rather learn Spanish, you know? bit more useful <laughs> something that you could actually use and you're not on set <laughs> outside of my work yeah <laughs> well you never know i mean it could we, this could be the direction we're all heading you don't know sure. wishful thinking but yeah maybe i mean you never know and if we do at least i'll know a bit yeah that's true that's true so what i mean what drew you to this life i mean you're an actor you're a singer you're a dancer was was performing something you did even when you were a little kid like were you always the center of attention oh my god yeah yeah that was the worst <laughs> i actually look at like baby pictures of myself and i've said this to my mom i'm like i am always in the center of the room like even if i'm just looking at the camera and smiling it's really rare that from the, past the age that I could walk that I wasn't like it, there's never the pictures of me sitting down I'm always like posing or dancing in the middle of the room so I think it was definitely always in my nature to perform but it just manifested in different ways and I don't know nine I wanted to be a pop star so my first manifestation of that was trying to do music and I was was in a girl group when I was 14 to 18 for a bit that wasn't successful or anything but I lived in a house with them and it was very much trying to get all that off the ground mm-hmm. then I was like a pro cheerleader for five years in the UK and then I'd done a bit of athletics and then I got into dancing and was a dancer for 12 years and then now I've shifted into acting and that's been like seven years so, do you like what? So what led what made led you to that jump into acting? Like what what was your first audition? What was what was the role that said you know what I'm going to give this a shot? Um, it was weird because it was quite a journey. Like, um, because the thing is, is when I just kind of got the itch for acting, mm-hmm. is what I'll call it. Mm-hmm. I was at the top of my game as a dancer, and I was very much dancing for like all different pop stars and I was on all of the TV shows in the UK and was traveling around Europe with artists. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of was a moment where either like I get my visa and go to LA and pursue dancing there or stop and do something else. And um, I can't remember exactly what happened, but I remember, oh yeah. So I was, there was a play called five, six, seven, eight that my friend Manway had written. And basically at the Royal court theater in the UK, they do these things called rough cuts Mm -hmm. where people can try out new works. And so I got a role in five, six, seven, eight. I was still dancing then. I hadn't even considered acting, but I auditioned and got a role. And this was just like a couple of nights at the Royal court. And that was cool. But then, I kind of was going to classes and stuff. And then my friend Damien Jones, who's a producer, sent me over the script for Fast Girls to just read. He was like, just as a friend, can you just read this? And then I read that and I was like, I want to be in this film. Mm -hmm. And he was like, okay, he'd come (laughs) to watch 
my like two day rough cut at the Royal Court and he was like, Well come and audition and we'll see. So I rock up being like, I'm gonna get the lead, <laughs> it's gonna be my first film, it's gonna be fab. Which obviously I didn't. But I was so naive to it then and just hella confident for no reason. Um and then I got a really small part in it, which was fab because I had one line and I got to watch all these awesome women work. And that was what really made me go, oh, my God, I want to do this. Because I was on set with Lily James and Lenora Critchlow and Lashana Lynch and Lorraine Burrows. And they're all women that were doing and have gone on to do awesome things and are still doing it. And that was kind of like a big moment for, for everyone. And I was there to witness it and I didn't really realize what was happening at the time. And it was like an athletics film with like five women in it. Like all of it was just so special. And that's what, that's what really set me on the path. Yeah. Do you still sing and dance? Um, not like regularly. Um, I mean, I'll hit the club. Go karaoke. <laughs> Are you you you, but, you karaoke? Oh, I love karaoke. Oh God, more power to you. I, do you not love it? What no. Okay, so here's the thing: is I I lived in China for a few years, and oh, a- karaoke you- in Asia is a very different beast, and it's like it, it, it's okay. So when you go to karaoke here. It's, it terrifies me because you're up on stage in front of a room full of strangers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. See, over there, you're in a private room. So it's, it's like kind of acceptable because you're only in this little room with people that you know. Um, but even then, it's like, I can't do it. Like, I'm, I, I cannot hold a note. I'm a terrible, terrible singer. People will, like, take the microphone away from me. They're like, you're done. Sit, sure. Just sit down, grab a beer, it's you're done. It's not your lane. That's, no. That's so okay. I, the thought of getting up on stage in front of, a, of, like, a room full of strangers terrifies me. To, I have to, to have sing. a couple of drinks first. So oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah, a bit of Dutch courage. <laughs> But yeah, you it's your thing that's you know, more power to you. I would I would love to come watch you, but I, I no, I, I oh, can't I, I can't do it. It's so much fun. And my mum used to have a ca- uh, karaoke business because I'm from the East End in London and uh-huh. I'm quite quite cockney and grew up with a cockney family. So we have quite a culture of being in pubs and my mum had a karaoke business where she'd go around and perform in the pub. So I'm just used to it as well. Yeah. But you did just direct your first music video, didn't you? I did. I directed <laughs> that my like? first short film, um, like, last year. And then this was my first music video. It was fab. It was because my younger brother was the artist. So we collaborated for the first time, like, artistically and merged our talents. And um, it was great. I haven't... I still have to edit it and... Um, kind of get like a first rough cut together to send to my editor but it was fab and um yeah I just I'm moving on to like doing another short film and then I'm writing a feature as well that I want to star in and direct so so that's a direction that you want to move you want to start doing more directing yeah like I, I acting will always be my first and foremost love but uh-huh. I really like jumping behind the camera as well and I think that um 
I don't know, I have a unique and abstract perspective, I like to think, and I want to just play around with that and be creative. I just love making films and telling stories in, and being any like part of that that I can. Yeah. So I just really enjoy directing as well, but I love acting so much. So I doubt I'll ever just give up acting, but... Does does the experience of directing, does that affect how you act? Because you've you've been on both sides of the camera? Yeah, I th- well, I think it all informs everything. Like, a lot of people say, if you're going to be a director, you should have some experience acting. And you can often tell, at least if you don't have experience acting, or, like, spend time with actors... And you can often tell when you get directors when they haven't because mm-hmm. they're just not sympathetic to the art. Mm. <laughs> and so I just think that, that having been an actor makes me a better director because I think okay. I deal with actors how I would want to be dealt with, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, I think they inform one another, actually. I don't know. I can't, I just can't really say if each one makes me a better one i don't know yeah it's probably better for someone else to say or have an opinion on but i hope so i hope that they you know help what (laughs) what so that in mind what attracted you to the expanse universe and to naomi as a storyteller i mean honestly like when i got the expanse i it wasn't even a like a what attracted me to it it was like oh oh my god I've got a job like it was my first (laughs) proper lead in a tv show I didn't know what the fuck was happening I was just like happy to be there and also like the audition material was nowhere near as good as like the script so I was a bit like "Mm." I mean it's okay like it's just exciting that I'm about to be a lead in a tv show and it's only when I really got with everyone and started reading through the scripts I was like oh this is good (laughs) this character's excellent so I think that honestly I really feel like I fell on my feet a little bit with this like but I'm also really spiritual and I do believe that I'm sure a lot of people roll their eyes at this but I have tended to attract a lot of what speaks um to me as a human like and it makes me laugh with this show and with Naomi like the whole thing couldn't be more representative of how I feel like you know women should be represented how women of color should be represented how women should have their own agency on on screen and blah, blah 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 and it's all just come to fruition with this character and with this show and I just every day I'm just so grateful and kind of look around me in the room at who I'm standing next to and I'm like how in <laughs> black baby Jesus's name did I end up here <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't so I talked to Cass a couple months ago and um he mentioned to me that he and Wes are are reading the books at sort of their own paces but that you weren't reading them because you wanted no, to be surprised is that accurate Yes, I keep changing my stance on it, though. Like, I tend to go with what I feel often on things. And I read the first one and a half books. And I think 
also it was so early in the process that I was so worried about doing a shit job that I found the books a bit overwhelming with also being in the room and talking about the script so I was just like let me just stop doing that and then I actually preferred not knowing because I was worried that I would play some of what I'd read on the screen when I shouldn't be. <laughs> so this was also like wrapped up with me getting to know myself as an actor because I've learned so much being on this show and grown so much as an actress and also a woman on a set. Like all these things I needed to work out. So I stopped reading the books. Um, but like this year I decided to read book four. So I've read book four now. I haven't read half of book two and book three, but I've read book four before we come back. And I was like, just started book five. And I don't feel as like worried about it all now that I'm like, it's going to feed into my character. But also Naomi's not really in book four. Um, So I think that was a nice way to read it as well, because I wasn't like a central, central character in it. Yeah. So uh, it changes every year, to be honest. <laughs> you you mentioned this just a few, a few minutes ago that this really is the first time that you've been the anchor of, of a show. Like you, you're leading the show, um, more or less. Yeah. In, in retrospect, do you think that you were prepared for, for what that meant? Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had a, a number of breakdowns <laughs> i i didn't i just was so overwhelmed the first year of doing the show you know i had been acting for three years and i had had a few bit parts i'd done my first kind of lead in a film in mind gamers but i was part of an ensemble so i wasn't the lead i was like one of five people so that and film is so much slower mm-hmm. and this just was like a big hollywood thing and it's like a 150 million dollar show and then there's like these actors that are like oscar nommed and have just come off hunger games and one who's been <laughs> acting since he was 16 and i was just like i don't know what i'm doing here and i felt really out of my depth and i had quite a hard time initially um just not beating myself up about it mm-hmm. and then once I really leaned into the work, like I struggle to watch the first episode sometimes because I'm like, oh, your acting is so clunky. Like, I don't think people feel that way looking at it, but just me looking at it, I can really see my progression. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, as I got more comfortable with my place, the acting got better. And I, it worked because we start this show with, everyone not knowing each other and everyone getting to know each other. And so I think the stuff that I was feeling worked on screen. Thank God. Um, so, yeah. cause I mean, the character is thrust into this position of authority that she wasn't prepared for nor, exactly. nor used to. So it seems like her story parallels your story in many ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. In that way, it definitely did. So I was like, you know what? this has panned out. I'm going to get away with this. I think. <laughs> and um, then, you know, I think, I mean, I say all this, but I am also very much like, throw me in at the deep end and I will find a way to swim out. Like I'm not sympathetic to myself with these things. So once I hit my stride, which I feel like came in like maybe halfway for episode 
free I was like okay here we go bitch like no more <laughs> of this kind of soppy stuff you fucking do the job properly and you go and what you know I, I it kicked in and and then I felt like my job was to just do my best every time I walked on that set and that's what, then what I tried to do yeah um and so you know that didn't last long but when I first got the job I was just like I don't know. I was very overwhelmed. It was a lot. I feel like this is an appropriate moment for me to fangirl a little bit. Um, (laughs) Because I'm a huge fan of the books. um, And as a sci-fi fantasy comic fan who has had to suffer through a lot of really awful adaptations of things I love, um, from the minute I saw you on screen, I was like, holy shit, it's Naomi. It was so awesome. (laughs) Thank you. That's really nice to hear. So, um, okay, good. I'm done now. <laughs> hand in hand with a show like this, though, is Comic Con and Comic Con culture. Were you prepared at all for that? No, but I just adore it. Really? Like, I just, I just find it all so. Um, well, I don't know what the right word is, but like. It's so sweet. Like, I, I just have never... I mean, we have the best fandom anyway, I think. Like, yeah. I, I never have to deal with shitty people in our fandom. Um, and I just love this culture where people are, like, harmlessly just having, like, tons of fun, dressing up, and, like, taking on, like, their favourite characters. And I just find it really, like, a nice corner of the universe. And whenever I go to these things and, and the response we have to the show and the way people talk to us and the fact that, you know, we're contributing a little bit to people's escapism and it's just, it's just delightful. Like I really, it really makes me laugh. Like, and then just kind of walking past people that are dressed up as like Aquaman and like these (laughs) random things. I just, I find comic cons delightful. Like, I just think it's just such a nice non-serious like I know everyone takes them seriously but it's like not this life or death serious thing it's yeah. just light and enjoyable and fun and everyone's Should I tell really her about nice Rose there. City? Sure. Oh god. <laughs> I was I was at Rose City Comic Con a couple of weeks ago and I was um a, a Tyco station belter one day and a Martian <gasps> Marine the next day. Yes! <laughs> I thought you was going to tell me a bad story and then I was like, no. No, 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 story. <laughs> and actually, oh I, I made this Tyco jacket and I wrote Remember the Cant on the back yeah. and I got out of my car and somebody goes, oh my God, Remember the Cant. <laughs> That's exciting for awesome. me. That's like fellow it's fan. Yeah. So much fun. <laughs> I get so excited when I see people dressed up like as anyone from the show like but what's nice is we keep having like groups of people just be like belters you know like not even they're necessarily dressed up as us like people just will find like their faction or their 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 um earth or mars or whatever and dress up in that like group you know and it's i find that really cool i love it you i mean I wouldn't expect you to say anything otherwise, but you said, you know, you have the best fans ever. And I hear that from a lot of people. But, you know, when you look at lots of different franchises, I mean, there's great fans everywhere, but there's always that one contingent that's like the gutter. You know, it's like they all they want to do is fight. They're just trolls online. They don't like anything, mm-hmm. you know. And I mean, 
some of the biggest sci-fi franchises have a very vocal contingent that is nothing but negative. But it seems like The Expanse doesn't have that. I mean, is, has that been your experience? Like, has it just been overwhelmingly positive, like you say? I mean, honestly, I it shocks me. Like, I have the odd guy who's like, you know, says something shitty, but I just say fuck you and then block him, to be honest, yeah. or her. I don't really cater for that crap. But overwhelmingly positive. Like, I... I've never, but then, you know, there's also the side of it. I mean, I can objectively look at our show and be like, it's a good show. Yeah. Like the writing's great. It's a good adaptation. The characters are awesome. There's heavy representation better than most shows we see. So I feel like if you do give people something, I like to think that the, the reward is that they're positive about it. I don't know. I don't know if there's great stuff that people are just assholes about. I like to think not, but I don't know. I just, I just have not had negative experiences with our fans and our fandom. Like yeah. everyone is just delightful. So I, 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 I want, I wonder if it's because the source material from the very beginning was always yeah. very intentional about that inclusion and about that Probably. equality. So that's, that's true. The, the fans that the books attracted, that's what they were looking for. And so the mm. fact that we're now seeing that on the screen represented yes. accurately, those fans are happy. And maybe the that books never Yeah, the books never attracted those you know, men who who just like like to complain about things. <laughs> That's so true. I've never actually thought about it like that. But yeah, that makes absolute sense. One of the things that... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, I guess if we'd have, like, whitewashed everyone... Yeah. There would be uproar, but it's not like that. And the casting's excellent and everyone's represented and, you know, the quality of all the characters has been, I don't know, maintained. And I like to think even more so heightened you know and so yeah that, that's a good observation actually probably yeah. hmm. one of the big things for me um as someone who grew up in the 80s reading a lot of dude-centric sci-fi because that's all there was <laughs> yeah um you have this amazing girl squad right it's you shora kara yeah. ranky florence like what is that like what is it oh, like to be just, part of that revolution in sci-fi? It's so delicious. Like, I... Uh, the women on this show are just... Just awesome. I don't even know. Like, I'm so spoiled because this is this is our show every day. And it's just... I mean, what's nice for me is I get to play someone that I would want to see on screen. And... I think we all feel that way. Like, it's so rare that you get something through in your inbox where you're like, this is, these are the women I want to see. This is the world that I want to see on TV. And to be in it, I think if I wasn't in it, I'd be watching it. And that, for me, is just like, I don't know. It feels weird, but fabulous and exciting that we're doing it and not just talking about it. Do you think that 
I mean, you're probably going to say yes, but realistically, <laughs> you know, knowing the industry and the way that things get greenlit and the way the projects happen, do you think that this show and the representation that we see will have ripple effects on other shows and films? I mean, I hope if the, the show's profile gets raised more, which I think I'm hoping it might now we're on Amazon. Um, and if they are, are smart and, and capitalize on the representation to promote the show, then yes. Because, you know, I think and sci-fi have been wonderful, but I do think there was an error with the posters. Like, I, I've never understood why all of our faces were not on the posters. And I don't mean that from a vanity point of view. I mean it from the sheer representation that's in the show. If I drove past a poster with all of our faces on it, like what Netflix done with um, the kind of picture they had, I don't know if you guys would have seen it, but internationally, when you clicked on The Expanse, it was just this beautiful kind of collage of all our faces. Mm. And I looked at it myself and was like, I don't see this. Yeah. And it makes me want to watch the show. So I just hope that, you know, people, it, Amazon capitalizes on that and promotes the show based on that because I think it's really important. And it's not just the faces, but it's what the faces are doing in the show. Like yeah. the potty mouth Indian woman who runs the world in a sari is just fucking awesome. You don't get to see that, you know? And. It, that's just one example of like you say the girl squad is just out of control it's amazing so i hope if if it's pushed the show is now promoted and pushed in a certain way that people see that and know that people want that and then yeah do the same you know but it's also like you know the people behind the scenes like our showrunner and the whole creative team are so dedicated to keep in keeping the show diverse and the representation um, equal and and having everyone represented. And that's the biggest part of it, really, is that sometimes I'll read a character on the page and go, oh, that's going to be an old white guy. That's cool. Yeah. And then they cast like a black woman. And I'm like, oh, even for me, I, they surprise me daily. So there's that as well of, of challenging your thinking of what certain attributes on the page should what they should then look like in a person mm -hmm. and going against that that's a really big thing that they tend to do a lot on this show and i think is what other people could learn from oh for sure for sure i mean do you think that switch the move to amazon and 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 getting an entire season at once is that going to change the way that um we the audience do you think that's going to change the way that we experience the show or the we interact with the show yeah i mean it's so hard to say like it, it's been such a weird it's such a weird thing to to be part of something a certain way and then that all changing mm -hmm. so i hope it has a positive impact i think the expanse is such a binge worthy show um but I think it can only benefit it to, to kind of, you know, catch up with the rest of all the shows that you can bid. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's so hard to say or predict anything, you know? I, I My will... kids will have to feed themselves for 
day because I'll be busy. <laughs> I will say, I mean, from my just for me, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this, but like I don't have cable. I cut the cord. I don't have you know. I never had sci-fi to watch live. So the way that I experienced the show was binging it on Amazon when it came on Amazon yes. Prime. I would just watch I would just sit down and watch, you know, 3 4 episodes at a time. So I mean, for me, it's not going to change, but I know a lot of people have right. that. And there's a very big social uh contingent to watching the episode every week too. And I'm just wondering how that's yes. how that dynamic is yeah, and with you like, all as the cast. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like it's going to be one of those like, well, okay, let's just see. Yeah. Like I I genuinely just don't know what it means for like the whole show to be available at once. I don't know what that's going to look like. Yeah. I don't know how it's going to feel. And and I think it means that it's going to be that way around the whole world. Mm-hmm. Which is also weird because like you know, lots of people in Europe and everywhere else have been getting it like 6 months later. So to think that everyone will just be able to watch it all at once, which I think is happening. I'm not actually sure about this, but I think that's the plan. Yeah. We'll just be crazy, but exciting. Like, I don't know. Is that overwhelming at all? A little bit, but also I think that's how the show should, should have always been watched from, from the response. I get where I always get people from the UK going, when are we going to see season three? I'm like, I know. (laughs) really shit i'm sorry i don't know or even my husband who has not read the books you know at the end of a given episode especially the end of season two beginning of season three yeah the episode would end and he'd look at me and go wait what (laughs) i was like "Ah." (laughs) (laughs) i know it's gonna happen and you don't (laughs) i know you know, it's different enough that you don't always know what's going to happen, which is awesome for people who have read it, who have read the books. That's true. Um, That's true. I, I, I wanted to, and I know we're, we're running out of time. I just want to ask one more question. Um, sure. So actors, when they spend enough time with a character, uh, even though it's a character that first existed on the page through, you know, thousands and millions of words, however many words they wrote, um, you know, she she was a robust character who had her own personality. But, you know, once you start to inhabit the role, you bring a lot more to that character. But what about the reverse? Like, is is there a, is there a part of Naomi that is now part of you that wasn't there before you got the role? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I think if that has happened, I'm not aware of it. But I don't know how we I don't know how actors go about having true complete separation between them and their characters I think it's impossible because I think that like what you say like you inhabit this person in this thing and I I don't know like because the thing about the thing about what's interesting about how do I put this into words? From being Naomi and having this job, I have grown so much as a woman off screen, having my agency on my set. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if that came from being Naomi or from from 
from like rubbed off from the character or just from the nature of the job if that makes sense this is quite complicated yeah. but i don't know how to explain it so i don't i don't know what i've taken from her and yeah and also there's a lot of stuff that i disagree with that she does you know so yeah. i don't know it's hard to it's hard I, to it's, it's really hard question to answer actually yeah no, it, it's 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 valid your answer, you know, it, because it's it's hard. I would imagine, and I'm agreeing with you, is that it's hard to distinguish, you know, where where is you know what's Naomi, what's Dominique, what's the yeah. act, what's the actor, and what's my experience on set that has nothing to do with me being an actor. It's just these experiences of interacting with everybody else and what I'm taking away from that, and that has nothing to do with your talent. You know, that's just you as a person dealing with producers and other actors and writers and yeah. cameramen and everything. And 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 all of that together is a package that I'm sure you can't necessarily parse out and just say, you know, like put into little neat little boxes. Yeah, it's it's really difficult to distinguish between everything. Yeah. But I I will say that there's a lot I admire about her and her her um, I was going to say her giving no fucks about (laughs) (laughs) like what she believes in Mm -hmm. and I think I'm quite strong myself but that's something that I've wavered in occasionally in my life and I like that I don't know if I've taken it on, but I like that I at least get to play someone who stands for what she believes in and doesn't ever back down, even if it's in the face of the man she loves. Yeah. That is really admirable. And I like to think that if I don't have it in life, I I get to do it through her and it's, it's valid there. That's quite nice. This has been the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us online at thegbbpodcast.com and on Twitter and Facebook at thegbbpodcast. Thanks again for subscribing and listening. We really do appreciate it. And until next week, I am Jamie Green, and you can find me at The Roarbots. Take care. Take care.